Hello everybody, FLTJ here, reviewing the second leg of what looks like a cup tie between Manchester United and Leeds, this time with the Devils winning 2-0 away at Elland Road. Now, what we will see here is the warped side that Leeds had to play given their injuries as they fell foul against Man United's strongest assets and we will look at where it starts to go wrong for Leeds especially as they continue to be a fixture to target in the coming weeks. Leeds United, who, might I remind, held a mighty Brentford side to a nil-nil draw here at Allen Road. This time, continue to employ these relatively strong and intense destructive tactics which led to a relatively eventless first half. The key differences between this game week and the one at the weekend was that Sinistera and Pascal Strike had to nurse injuries which led to Junior Furbo and Sinistera filling in. Now this had two implications. Number one, the whole revolving around Nyonto thing where Jack Harrison would run on the outside, Tyler Adams would back him up and Strike would bomb down the left flank. All of that has basically become non-existent simply because number two, Somerville on the right side demanded equal time of the ball, at least compared to Nyonto. Now more crucially here was that without Brendan Aronson starting in this particular match, Leeds had an extremely wide feel, at least compared to their usual narrow 4-3-3 setup. So they still did defend as a 4-3-3, but the areas that they applied pressure involved all these wingers pulling out wide so that they could immediately regain the ball and work their ways down the flanks quickly. Number one, this meant that Jack Harrison as the central midfielder or one of the central forwards really, became a target in the box rather than a facilitator for Nyonto. Secondly, it forced someone else to overload the flanks or the half spaces really and that man once again who stepped up was Willy Nyonto. From the left side, he actually pulled all the way to the right half space just to help midfielders overload that flank, especially when Brendan Aronson came on. So disappointingly, this meant that Luke Ayling actually had to sit back or at least only apply pressure all the way up to midfield instead of bombing all the way into the box. Secondly though, and importantly for FPL purposes, we have to understand that Nyonto and Somerville now work together as a pair. Whether they overload the right half space or whether they cross for one another, we at least know that flank-to-flank -flank play is something that we can look forward to from Leeds in the future and it's just a matter of whether they choose to involve the fullbacks in this or whether a central midfielder such as Ruter or Harrison or Aronson will eventually dominate shots in the box. Lastly, a quick word on the statistics surrounding how teams overcome Leeds' strong press. Usually what happens is that teams would involve the long direct ball that would bypass the entire set of pressure or they would attempt to play through leads in order to dominate proceedings. This meant that between the 20th minute and half time itself there were 11 fouls in that 20 plus minute stretch and we know what happens with fouls and free kicks as this start stop motion of play really just led to Leeds and United barely having anything big in the first half itself.
Man United, who had to reintroduce a few interesting pieces of the puzzle given their exploits last week at Old Trafford. Instead of Sabitza starting on the left side of central midfield, Fred came in that shifted Sabitza to the right side. More importantly though, it enabled their right flank where Diogo Dalo now did not have Rashford ahead of him. Instead, Sancho, last week's hero, actually linked up with the two, playing an extremely advanced right side, while Marcus Rashford operated alone on the left as Luke Shaw played centre-back. So instead of a relatively structured but poorly executed approach of Ganacho on the left and Rashford on the right, this time round Rashford on the left basically gave a lot of freedom once again to Bruno Fernandes to release players on the counter-attack. But in this particular case, with so many players crammed on the right side, United actually had dominance in that particular space especially from throw-ins where a lot of United's players, that whole set of players I mentioned earlier, all linked up through short and simple passes down the left side, eventually taking shots from that side as well. Now that being said, United and Leeds were technically, I say technically, trading blow for blow in terms of having passages of play on their own back and forth until the tactical subs that occurred on the hour mark. Basically, the right side became extremely conservative while the left side actually had more offensive potential as Luke Shaw was shifted to left back, Vekhorst was dropped a lot deeper as the number 10, while Diogo Dalo was replaced by Aaron Wan-Bissaka. The tactical impact was pretty much instant as United attempted to shift their attack all the way to the left side without much success and as a result giving a lot of the ball away to Leeds United. And United essentially had to weather a storm, which is once again probably intentional given Eric Ten Hag's game management philosophy. So, as United executed this particular setup well, even at nil-nil, they crucially created the golden chances through that left side where Luke Shaw created for Rashford for our dream FPL outcome to take the lead. Crucially here was that this opened up the final 10 minutes to a lot of Manchester United counter-attacks as they continued to attack that left side with Garnacho's introduction and they just hit that space again and again and again which is exactly what you want to see from Ten Hag's side. The unfortunate thing here is that with an impending cup final on the horizon, it's very obvious that we should be keeping our Bruno Fernandes, our Marcus Rashford's and our Luke Shaw's for the upcoming fixture against Leicester. So. The real fork in the road lies in game week 26 when we have to sell Bruno Fernandes for the blank as they have a cup final and whether to buy Bruno Fernandes back or whether to invest in potentially another attacking asset such as Carnacho, for example or Jadon Sancho. Among all the surprises brought up by this fixture, the most interesting one was that Man United had kept a clean sheet for the first time since game week 19. The anatomy of a clean sheet actually is relatively interesting simply because United did have to weather a lead storm in the second half when they made their attacking change. So the real question is whether United can be relied 
on defensive potential such as this? Or will we continue to consider having two attackers concurrently as we move forward? This is FPL Teacher reviewing the marquee match up next between the title challengers. Thank you.